Hi, I'm Robin. And I'm Molly. And this is... Home is where the murder is. I wish you all could see Molly when she does that because she just <laughs> extended her arms like she was giving you a hug. Straight out. <laughs> just straight out. Oh, how was your weekend? Busy, busy, busy. I'm in a tizzy. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just, I'm just firing on all cylinders. You know what? Life, it just doesn't slow down ever. It just no. doesn't. We had a big weekend. The art fair was in town. It is currently in town. It is. We're going to go up and check it out again. Yep. Really quick today. And then, yeah. Can I tell them about my big revelation that I found out about my father this weekend? Are you allowed to? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you think you know someone. I found out this weekend on Friday. I went up. I showed up to my dad's house who lives in the fucking bumfuck nowhere yep. country. I show up and he's having a party. He had a band. Like oh. This is like a annual thing, right? I guess so. Okay. So, well, so I thought it was like a big party that we used to do when I was a kid. But apparently it is an annual party that he's been having for a different group of people. And I, So, you, yeah, you grew up going, doing this party for different reasons in your yeah. head. Right. Yeah, yeah, different, yeah. different, re- well, like, yeah. No, I mean, like, we used to have a different party. This oh. has only been going on for 15 years. Yeah. Okay. So, but... Yeah, so I show up to my dad's house on Friday, and there's, you know, a party. So they got a band, and there's people everywhere. I walk in. I'm like, oh, there's people here I don't know, whatever. So I go outside, and I'm like, I got to make friends. So I walk into the garage, and there's these guys standing there or whatever, and we start talking, and, you know, I'm asking questions, I guess you could say, and I'm just like, so this one guy comes up to me, and he starts talking, and I go, what's wrong with your voice? (laughs) And, I, and he's like, he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, where are you? I'm like, where's your accent from? I'm like, you from down south or something? And he's like, well, I'm from Indiana. I'm like, what are Indiana people doing at my dad's house? Like, That's strange. So he's like, well, we're here for the the STP, you know, chapter party or whatever. And I was like, what the hell is that? He's like, the motorcycle posse that your father is the president of. And I'm like, what? Come again? I'm like. Excuse and this me? guy, this guy didn't believe me. He's like, he's like, oh no, you. He's like, you're sh- you're shit me. You, you, if that's your father, then you you would know he's the president of this posse. They call it a posse. I'm not allowed to call it a gang. Apparently, that's like that's a whole different bad thing. News. But he's like, yeah, you would know that because he's been the president, you know, for the last few years or whatever. But he's been in it for 15 years. And I'm like, I have never heard of this. Yeah. So, you know, and then my dad's over there, and he's just like, I'm like, Dad, is this true? And he's like, Yeah. I'm like, Why has this never come up? And he's just like, I don't know. So for 15 years, my dad has been a part of a motorcycle. And not just a part of it. No, and now he's the president. And it's the weirdest shit I have ever seen in my life. I describe it as a 50-year-old little rascals. Yeah. It's like biggie rascals. Yeah. (laughs) Or older older rascals. Elderly rascals. Elderly rascals. That's what we're going to call them. (laughs) It is the funniest thing. They have initiation process, and yeah. it makes no sense. They have little powwows, but so they go on rides, which that part seems normal to me. They get there, then they're like, sure, get a group bicycle, of friends together, and they go and they go to different bars and they go to different yeah. areas of Wisconsin and beyond. But that part seems normal to me. But like, they got shirts, and they have like this initiation process and these rules, and they all have nicknames. So, like, my dad's nickname is Shoestring. And they during last night they initiated another guy and his name is Catman, and kind of like Batman but Catman. Yeah, super weird. And like, and the, there was that guy that I was talking to. I found a fellow last night. His name is Tommy with an I. 
but that's not his real name, and I will not refer to him as that name ever again. So here's the last time you're going to hear me say that. But, you know, yeah, I found a fella. So. Yeah. I did it, you guys. So, yeah, and I, but I sent him back to Indiana this morning. That's where he lives. That's, that's where that ends. But, um, yeah, it was the weirdest weekend I've had in a long time. It, it's like if you, you know, you you know that meme of someone, like, seeing numbers around them and they're, uh-huh. like, confused. It's like, yeah. that was Robin. Like, what? My, my dad's in a posse? Yeah. He's the president? Yeah, what? Bombs. What? And they, they kept going up. And I'm looking at my, like, so his girlfriend, my dad's girlfriend, but she's kind of like my stepmom. I looked at her and I go, in all the years, how did you not tell me about this? And she just shrugs her shoulders like, nah, didn't think about it. I'm like, and I'm like, do my siblings know about this? Like, how is this? You know, and then and then uh, there's a guy in this club who graduated with my brother in 2003, who I've oh, yeah. known since I was a young kid, and he's there and he's we're talking everything. Yep. And I look at him and I look at his shirt and I go, "Are you in this fucking gang too?" And he's like, "It's a club." And yes, I've been or in posse, it. Or yes, And he's like, yeah. "I've been in it for nine years." I'm like, like, you no. have got to be kidding me. I'm like, does my brother know? And he's like, I think so. It's cute. They have all these little handmade shirts they, they make. They do. With stencils. Like old school, like paint, like uh, spray paint stencils. Yeah. Like you go to Walmart and you get the stencil and then you spray paint each letter. I looked at them yesterday. I said, you guys need new shirts. And they've got offended. But they got offended by everything I said. I was. Right. They, they, I, they're like, you don't understand this. I'm like, I don't think any normal human being would understand this. And it's. Right. It's it's adorable. I do think it's cute. And they have this beautiful... Bu- I'm not going to knock it, okay? They have this beautiful brotherhood. They do. They take care right, of one another. Right, and it's another. very nice. Yeah, it is very cool. I, I They're very tight-knit and, like, it's very cool yeah. that they are like that. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's just, it's, just a, it's just a whole different world that Robin did yeah. not know her My father was a part of. My dad has a double of. life. You know, yeah. you hear about people having double lives. And then you were saying, like, <laughs> let's say, ra- like... He would die, and then all these yeah. people show up, and Robin would have never yeah, known about you this. You're like, excuse me, who are all of you? <laughs> like we're at my dad's funeral, and we're all devastated, and then all of a sudden, this posse walks in with these cut-off shirts that have stains on them. Stenciled shirts. <laughs> Stenciled. And they're, like, doing all this, like, ritual crap to honor him, and I'm like, yeah. who the fuck are you? What is happening right now? So I'm now? glad I found out now. Yeah. Um, it's good. But, no, it was, and, there, and it was funny this morning. So I haven't gone to bed yet. Well, I went to bed for two hours. I stayed up all night talking with this this uh, I'm not, Tom. I'm not allowed to say his real name, I guess, but Tommy uh, with an I. With an I. I don't know. I stayed up all night talking to him because I needed more information. He's a really cool guy. Um, lives in Indiana. He also has like a roofing business, so I feel like I'm going to get some referral business out of that. But add that to the list. Yep. So it, it, so he's like enlightened me on and everything, and it's just like they do have this really cool bond. And yeah, they're there for one another. Hood and like not one of them goes to bed without getting a hug. I thought that was sweet last night. Oh, they all and they, I love you, brother. You know, and I'm just like I'm over. And then they're coming up to me. They're like, all right, love you, shoestrings daughter. And then they they I got my own nickname last night. Oh yeah, sassy. That makes sense. I know because they said that I was sarcastic and sassy. I mean, you're like truth. I, I am. Yeah. So it was kind of nice. I got yeah. a little nickname, but I, but I was told did, I do not. But did get they to be make a, you a shirt? No, they won't let me be part of the club. Make your own shirt. Yeah, I, I want you to show up with your own shirt I'm next going time. To. You know what? Screw that. I'm going to. And, but you have to make it just like theirs. Oh, absolutely. It'll, it'll be it'll be great because I, I remember reading just like it, a white cotton T-shirt. It says on the front. What does it say? Something about. Don't you have a picture of your oh, dad? Oh, don't. It says don't tread tread on uh, or something some, like something that. about ruining a ride. I don't know. Yeah. I'll figure it out. I mean, it's not going to be that hard to figure it out. You just go to your dad's and find a shirt. Oh, yeah. 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 
So, but yeah. it's, yeah, that is by far one of the strangest weekends I have had in a long time. It was interesting. So there, everyone, my dad is in a motorcycle posse. What's your dad do? Not that, I promise you. <laughs> anyway, I just wasted eight minutes telling people about what... That was my, my about my dad's double life. What do you got it. for us today? Oh, <laughs> I have murder. Yay! And not only just a little murder, it's another family murder. Yes. I seem to always find a good family murder. All right. Well, I'm excited. So I guess we should get started Here on that. Go. Okay. So this is the Tenet family murders. So. Early in the morning on May 31st, 2002, out in the county um, of Custer Park, Illinois, a house fire had started. But this house fire wasn't just a normal house fire. Never is. It usually isn't. Every time Could I be. see a fire, I always think, I'm like, all right, who was murdered in there? Could be more. Yeah. Inside, Harry Tennant, who was 46, his daughter Sarah, who was 19, his son Eric, who was 16, and Harry Tennant's um, friend, who was also his girlfriend, Jean Bookwalter, who was 46, were all murdered. Oh, my God. Not knowing this, Eric's friend, his son, Her- um, the 16-year-old son's friend, who had slept over to help with chores the next day, he liked to come over and help his friend with chores. That's cute. Yeah, just he enjoyed being over yeah. there and helping out his friend. Um, had woken up and smelt the smoke and heard the fire alarm going off, so he grabbed his cell phone to call his dad, who also happened to work for the fire department, luckily. When the fire department arrived, they found the four bodies inside and realized that it was a quadruple homicide. So he was inside the house not dead, but the rest of them were? Yes. Okay. Okay. I have my thoughts. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. I just Cool. Keep those thoughts. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um, Harold or Harry Tennant. Um, and Deborah, so she, Deborah's not in the house. It was, Deborah is Sarah and Eric's mother, but, yeah, but they, they separate. Separated, like, yeah. Yep. So um, they had two kids, Sarah and Eric. Sarah was born April 10th, 1983, and Eric was born April 13th, 1986. Okay. Sarah played volleyball and also enjoyed showing miniature horses. Oh, cute. I know. Can you just imagine oh, these little God, horses? prancing around. Yeah. Oh, cute. I, and it makes me think, think of Park and Rec. Parks and Oh, Rec. my God. Little, what is it? Sebastian. Sebastian. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, and then Eric liked working on the family farm that his father had purchased. Um, he had wanted to go into agriculture, and he was starting oh, to study that in school. So probably, he wanted to take over the family farm. one of them FFA fellas. Yep, exactly. Love it. So, um, and Harold also owned an insurance agency Great. in the area. Dual so, income. Exactly. So, a little bit more. So, in night. 19- in 1999, Sarah, when she was around 16 years old, she began dating a boy named Brian Nelson, who her parents did not approve of. Oh. To try to keep her from seeing and dating him, uh, they were driving her to and from school and limiting her activities on what she could do. Okay. So. Been there. You know how that. Oh, yeah. Been there. Goes. And as I, I say, as everyone knows, that is only going to want to make that teenage girl date that guy even harder and make him want to be with him more harder i'm gonna date this guy harder but i mean really like your parents are telling you you can't see this guy you're like oh i'm gonna see him more yeah yeah that's still the case in my life exactly my dad dad says i don't he doesn't approve of someone i'm usually like cool cool i'm gonna go marry that right so i mean your parents are telling you they don't approve they don't want you to see this you know that just kind of makes the relationship more exciting and that is exactly what happened she ended up getting pregnant (gasps) 
in the fall of twenty of um two thousand, and while she was so a senior, she was, I was going to say she's still in school. Yep, while oh she boy. was a senior at Reed Custer High School. Oh so, shit. That's a little bit about that. So let's learn a little bit more about this Brian Nelson fella. So he was born Brian West to Janet West on June 2nd, 1982, down in Texas. And he was one of six kids. Yikes. Janet then moved to Wisconsin. Whoop, whoop. There it is. There's my Wisconsin tie-in. Always tie-in. Always. I have that. There's my Wisconsin (laughs) tie-in. And his father stayed behind. Um, They had, and he had little contact with the kids. So it doesn't sound like it was a very good situation but luckily janet did end up remarrying tom nelson and brian loved him he sounded like he was a really good guy good um really you know and that brian really loved him and looked up to him but unfortunately he ended up dying when brian was seven in a car accident oh no that's awful and it would end up having a very um bad lifelong effect on him and he Brian ended up taking that loss very hard. Oh, that's so sad. And it would end up affecting him emotionally and for the rest of his life, basically. Oh, my gosh. So in middle school, Brian started having issues at school, and he ended up getting suspended many times. His principal described him as emotionally unstable, unpredictable, and vital. Vital. Almost all of what I would use to describe me, except for that last one. I'm not that bad. Right. I mean, but and definitely emotionally unstable. But I mean, also boys in middle school. I mean, I know it's not hormone. Unco- I mean, I feel like kids aren't the best in middle school. Middle school is rough. Dude, it was like my I, if I had to pick a time to go back, I'd skip middle school. Middle school is a was, rough time. And I mean, he's dealing with like this loss of yeah. like his dad and then his new dad. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it, it, there's a lot going on. So. You know, you kind of want to try to give him a little bit of a pass, maybe, but... Yeah, that sucks. But it actually went so far that the teachers and staff were actually a little afraid of him. Oh, I can see that. So... Like, where it gets to a point where a kid, like, has that look in their eye kind of thing. And then, unfortunately, his mother, Janet, was very overprotective of Brian and refused to see the issues and acknowledge any problems that that. were happening right in front of the face. So it's almost like she didn't try to get him the help that he kind of needed. Yeah. Um, Brian was in a relationship with a girl named Megan in eighth grade. Um, so, and she described him as very controlling and obsessive. In eighth grade already? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So he carved Megan forever. Yeah, like, I've done that. On himself. Oh, no, not that. <laughs> yeah, he carved that. I've and put it shot in her name on his chest with a BB gun. Oh, my God. Yeah, Megan spent most of her time with Brian, and her friends were scared of him. She eventually tried to end the relationship with him, but he threatened to hurt himself each time that she tried to leave him. This is crazy. Yeah, in eighth grade. This pattern kept repeating until her parents got involved and tried to help end the relationship, but he kept writing her notes, and eventually he did check have to be checked into a mental health facility for severe depression. Oh, my gosh. So he, I mean, he, like I said, he did have some mental, you know, emotional, yeah. you know, problems, and a lot of that did come from he lost his, you know. Yeah, I mean, we understand stepfather. that part of I mean, things. But yeah. it's really unfortunate that his mom didn't get him the yeah. help he needed at the time. Right. So. so that's a little bit about, you know, him, Brian, Brian his past. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward a bit back to a little bit more current times. Okay. Okay. So now we're back to uh, March of the year 2000. So this is back where... The baby? 
situation? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So in March of 2000, Harold noticed that he had some guns missing from his house, but there was no forced entry. That very same day, Janet called the police because Brian had pushed her and she cut her finger. Uh-oh. While they were responding to Janet's call, they found Harold's guns. Where were Harold's guns? At Janet's house. The claim is that oh. he, that Brian had bought them from someone, but he didn't know that they were stolen from his girlfriend's father. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. A little far-fetched. Yeah, exactly. Me. Not too long after this, on April 3rd, 2000, a 1989 Ford pickup was reported stolen and found on the side of the road, and it was tried, they had tried to light it on fire, but it had failed to be lit on fire. Okay. They had gotten an anonymous tip that it was Brian who had also stolen this truck. He did admit to stealing it, eventually leaving it, and also admitted to stealing Harold's guns as well, finally. Okay. So then fast forward later that month on April 27th, there was an accident involving a semi-truck and another stolen pickup truck. Guess who the driver was? Brian. Brian. He said he was just borrowing the truck. But that wasn't true. Yep. Can't just he did that. end up giving, getting a concussion from this accident. Which I don't think is going to help anything. Nope. And had to stay in the hospital for a few days. So I'm starting to understand why Sarah's parents didn't want Brian around her. 100%. Yeah. Brian did up facing charges for the two stolen trucks and stolen guns and assault on his mother. So. Oy. So, yeah. Another random awful thing that Brian did was stab someone. Oh, no. Yeah. So on August 9th, 2000, he approached a man named Corey, who was leaving his house, and asked him what he thought of his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Tennant. When Corey got uncomfortable and went to leave, Brian grabbed him by the neck and proceeded to stab him in the back and threatened to kill him. Oh, my God. Just random. Luckily, Corey survived the attack and was able to identify him in a lineup, but he was charged with aggravated battery. And to that, I say, that's it. I know, because, I mean, he could have Yes, exactly. Him. I'm like, aggravated battery? Like, a- okay. It was around this time that, this is like around the time that Sarah found out that she was pregnant. So. Oh, boy. That's yeah. So, yeah. So, because of the stolen vehicles, um, Brian was sentenced to three years in prison on March 18th, 2000. And it was, recommend he was recommended for impact incarceration. So I don't know if you know what that is. I didn't really know what that was. But impact incarceration allows those who are eligible and have been sentenced to who have been sentenced to prison for their crimes the opportunity to reduce the amount of time to serve. So it's basically like a military yeah. style boot camp. I was say that's kind of like my last one, Robert Berdella, mm-hmm. that in the seventies. That's what yes. they did. Yeah. So in general, you are eligible for this program if you're under the age thirty-five. You have not been convicted of any Class X offenses or other crimes of violence such as sexual assault, assault, armed violence, and aggravated kidnapping, which I'm like, the stab. Okay. 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 You are mentally and physically fit. Also, I'm like mentally. Okay. You're right. Um, You may not have previously served more than one felony conviction in prison. You may not have attempted an impact incarceration program in the past, and your sentence does not exceed eight years. So, oh wow! That same day, though, he was convicted of aggravated battery for the stabbing of Corey and sentenced to twelve months of conditional discharge. So, it's to me, it's like obviously he. There's something wrong. He's not yeah, mentally he's, fit. No, that's why I'm surprised he was able to get into that program. Right, I know. Right. And hmm. he, and then you, you think like, well, well, oh, oh, 
shut my mouth and keep going with the story. <laughs> because, but yes, yes. Okay. So later on September 25th, 2000, he was sentenced, sentenced to two additional years in prison for the theft of Harold's guns and again recommended for impact incarceration program. Uh-huh. To me, stabbing someone should automatically get you taken out of that program because that does not show that you are mentally fit. And, you know, no. that's kind of, maybe, I mean, stabbing someone automatically is like they could die. Right. Right. And you, I, I feel like. And he also has a history think, of mental illness. I mean, the only he thing I can think yeah. of is if what, if what he stabbed him with wasn't long enough to like puncture maybe that's why it was so long right. because wouldn't it normally be attempted murder well and not only that but like i mean technically like couldn't you just hit like an artery couldn't right. you, I, I mean it's like yeah oh, see i mean yeah in I, my mind i mean i'm afraid if i get a paper cut i'm gonna bleed out i know so. you are uh, i've been on the phone with you <laughs> and logan and logan's been like mom you're fine yeah that was a fun day yeah but like or i mean you can get an infection and die i mean there's yeah, like all true. Th- i mean I don't, you could I, puncture something and... See, this is just, again, a problem right. with our judicial system. And, it's just like... Right. It's always about, And this know, is Illinois, too, so I well, mean... Well, that's just even worse. Right. No offense to our Illinois, lis- Illinois listeners, but your state is fucked. Uh, sorry. <laughs> and like I said, he also had a history of mental illness because he was, you know, back in eighth grade yeah. after the whole thing with Megan... He had to be checked in for severe depression. Yeah. So. Like, it's so sad because, you know, some people do turn their lives around after jail time and things like that. Yeah. But I feel like you almost, this guy just constantly was being failed. Well, he had so many different attempts, like so many different things that he did. So I I don't know how he was really recommended for this program in the first place. I'd like to read those notes. Right. So. But, you know, so that was um, September 25th, 2000. Okay. Okay. By February of 2001, Brian was paroled. Okay. Yep. So that was quick. I said, in March of 2001, Sarah gave birth to their baby girl and named her Amber. Okay. After Sarah graduated high school, she tried to end her relationship with Brian. But as you can probably guess, he didn't really like that and didn't accept it. Right. Especially now that they had a child together. They had an on-again, off-again relationship back and forth, because now, especially now that there was a child involved. And in fact, of January of 2002, Sarah was actually arrested and charged with domestic battery for punching Brian in the face during an argument that they had. Now, oh. I would like to be a fly in the wall of that whole right. situation. I am just going to say I'm sure he had it coming. Oh, 100%. Um, Mama Bear probably doing whatever she had to do to protect her little baby girl. Yeah. So, based on what I've heard about Brian so so far, I think he deserves a lots of punches. To yes. The face. So, exactly. So, like I said, now who knows what actually went? Who knows what actually went down? But again, yeah, he was probably trying to get something on her record so that he had something against yeah. to show against her. Absolutely, so, narcissist. Mm-hmm. Right. So Brian ended up filing a family law case in February of 2002 against Sarah for withholding visitation of their daughter. So needless to say, their relationship was a rocky one. Very unstable and more off than on. Brian's lawyer did indicate that they were trying to reconcile at one point as well on May 24th of 2002, which, if you look at that date, isn't long before tragedy would strike. Okay. 
Um, Harold would start dating a new woman as he did end up splitting from his wife. So Harold's new girlfriend, Jean Bookwalter, worked at the insurance agency that he owned as well and was also living out at the farmhouse with them. Okay. She was a mother, grandmother, and loved to do crafts and garden and was very well liked in the community. Aww, so she just she sounded like nice. a really nice lady. Yeah. So, uh, and Sarah also tried to start a new life away from Brian, but as we know, Brian did not like this. She yeah. had started classes at a nearby community college and was working at her father's insurance agency Good. as well. She had even started to date a new guy. Okay. Um, that is something that Brian heard about and really did not like. I can imagine. Yes. He was obsessive and controlling in eighth grade, so imagine now that the mother of his child was moving on with someone new. This isn't something that he could handle. Between May 23rd and May 31st, it's reported that he tried calling Sarah 129 times, according to phone records. So, that's quite a few times. That is. Especially back in, like, 2002. Yeah. Now, you know, it's it's just a lot. So. Ooh, 2002, that's when the Bon Jovi Bounce album was released. I have that coming up next. I bet you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On May 30th, he called um, Tenant Insurance asking for Sarah, and when she wouldn't come to the phone, he told the person on the line to tell Sarah that he was sorry. Then Sarah and her co-workers in the, office, in the office noticed that there was someone watching them in a truck out in the parking lot and called 911. The truck left before the police arrived, and it was obviously Brian. Okay. Also on May 30th, Sarah reported a theft from her car while she was parked at her community college that she was taking classes at. It was a very strange thing to be stolen from her car. It was a photo of her new boyfriend. Oh, boy. Kind of weirdo. Guess who did it? Yep. Brian. Brian. Yep. 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 There it Brian. is. Brian. Up. He later admitted to stealing the photo. Late on May 30th, Brian drove out to Sarah's house where she was still living with her father, his girlfriend, and her brother. He entered the home as it was unlocked as it usually was and went down to the basement where Sarah's room was. What happens next is all according to Brian, so we don't know what really happened. What really happened. That's too bad. So... Um, so it's kind of sad too, if you think about it, and this is just where my brain was going when we were talking about this, the, so this Brian guy's kind of similar to our age. So we remember what it was like to be in high school and breakups and have, you know, hormones and being young and twenties. And you're always thinking about that. Everything's in life can be harder than it really is. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're. Vision is skewed in the sense of what really is important, what isn't. Yeah. So I was thinking about this. I'm like, this guy's got to just be absolutely tormented in the mind. You know? Like, I bet you it just consumed him constantly. And it's really sad. And and I imagine living your life like that. Yeah. I know. Because it's all started at such a young age. Like, that's the thing about these cases that we cover. We A lot of monsters involved. Obviously, we cover a different monster every time we talk about this. But it also is just sad, like, that, you know, a wasted life. Yeah. So. I I know. That's just where my brain went on that one. I know. So, and I mean, you know, this is back at, out in the, you know, in rural areas, you just kind of leave your doors unlocked too. So he knew it would be unlocked. So he got there. So next, you know, he went down to Sarah's room. So next he and Sarah talked for around an hour. They had consensual sex, he said, and then Sarah asked him to leave. No, I do not believe that for a second. Right. Brian had kept trying to convince her to get back together with him to give their relationship one more chance, but she kept on saying no. So then Brian went back upstairs where he went into the garage of their home and just paced around for about 20 minutes trying to figure out what to do next. 
which that's just kind of chilling. Just think about that. He's just walking yeah. around the family garage just thinking. Ooh, don't like that. So then he went back downstairs to Sarah's room with a crowbar around nope. 2 a.m. on May 31st. Nope. Don't like where this is going. Right. So Sarah was the first victim. The autopsy showed four blunt lacerations to the left side of her head and severe skull fractures, and there was no sign of any smoke damage inside her lungs, which which means that she was dead before the house was set on fire. I can only hope that she was asleep and the first blow just kept her unconscious. Yeah. Ugh. There was an accelerant found on her bed and signs that a fire was set on her actual bed. Ugh. Next, Jean Bookwalter's autopsy showed five blows to her head, causing massive skull fractures and a large stab wound to the upper left part of her back that went through her entire body and through her breast. Oh, gee. The stab wound punctured her left lung and broke two of her ribs. Oh, my Both God. of these, the blows to her head and the stab, would have been fatal. She also didn't show any signs of smoke in her lungs, meaning that she was already deceased before the fire. Oh, my gosh. Harold Tennant had blunt lacerations caused by the crowbar to the top left side of his skull, as well as two stab wounds to the left upper back. The stab wounds caused severe blood loss to the chest cavity, which would also have been fatal. Harold did not have any smoke in his lungs, meaning he was also deceased before the fire. A separate fire was also started in Harold and Jean's bedroom. Mm. Finally, Eric Tennant was found dead in the recliner in his bedroom. Eric had fire damage to his body, as well as four blunt injuries to the top of his head and forehead. Again, since he didn't have any smoke found in his lungs, he had died before the fire was set. His cause of death was likely to be caused by the severe skull fractures and brain damage. A separate fire was also set in Eric's bedroom. The rage this man had over and over and over again. Yeah. Can you even imagine? Yep. Like, I could never do something like this. I just couldn't. But can you imagine doing it to one person, that yeah. many blows to somebody, and then doing it, what, was it and then three just or going four more around times? The house. Was it three, three more times? Three more people. Like, what the fuck? So Sarah, then Jean, Jean, then Harold, then Eric. What happened to the baby? Okay, cool. Okay. Okay. When first responders were called to the home by Eric's friend, thinking they were just responding to only a house fire, that is where they found... Wait a second. Eric's friend. Yes. He didn't get killed. No. Remember, he called. Cause yeah, I know, but that's what I mean. Like, why didn't he kill him? Yeah. I'll, All right. Yeah. yeah. yeah sorry. I know. Tell, tell your story, Molly. I'll tell, I'll tell <laughs> you. So the, thinking that they were only coming to the house for the fire, that's when they found all the bodies. They first found Sarah on her bed, and then they went up to the second floor where they found Harold and Jean and Eric. Eric's friend had been sleeping in the guest room, so luckily Brian had no idea that he was even in the house. Oh, thank God. So it's not like he was sleeping in Eric's bedroom. If he had, like, been passed out in Eric's bedroom or something, oh, he would have been, been killed, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Brian had no idea that Eric had Can a friend over. you imagine living the rest of your life knowing that you dodged being murdered yeah. in your sleep? Yeah. Oy. Exactly. Also, they did find the 14-month-old amber nelson outside in sarah's car in her baby seat so she was safe oh good okay so he at least had the decency to take the he baby did. outside out of the six people in the house that night only two survived just nuts um so eric's friend the teenage boy did have to be looked into as a suspect because yep. it kind of looked a little suspicious right as the kids say a little sus yeah it mm. was a little sus but he was quick 
quickly ruled out. He had no motive, and the detectives were told about the dysfunctional relationship that Sarah and Brian had, so Brian was quickly brought in for questioning. Brian had a history with the law and Sarah and the family and the motive. So, I mean, it was pretty clear that this teenage boy had no reason to do this. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, when firefighters were extinguishing the fire, Harold's mother, who lived nearby, showed up and told the police that Brian was at her home. Oh. Police then went over to her house and arrested him. Got him. During questioning, he made up a bunch of lies, which, obviously. Yeah. While he did admit to breaking into her car and stealing the photo of her new boyfriend, which I... What a weird thing to do. So weird. Such a weird thing. Like, what was he going to do with it? Like, do like a voodoo ritual or like, you know what I mean? Like, poke needles or who knows? He lied about a lot of other things. He told police that Sarah had called him and said someone broke into her car. And when he told her it was him, she hung up on him angrily. Then he drove to her work to try to speak to her, but she refused. Then that night he tried to call her 10 to 12 times, but she wouldn't answer. So he gave up and went to bed around 1130 Mm. and that he had nothing to do with the murders and what happened. Okay. Okay. Sure. 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 Sure thing. Yep. But they weren't buying this. So they pushed him a little harder and then he admitted to the murders. So, which <laughs> okay. seems to happen a lot with them. If you remember yeah. back, it's like, they're like, I don't know about that, Brian. They're like, and he's always like, okay, you're right. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, you're right. Yeah, you're, yeah. I'm, you're right. Not the best liar. He's not. It's like, <laughs> he's like, so I didn't do it. They're like, but you did. They're like, he's like, you're yeah, right. Yeah, you're I did. Right. <laughs> so, um, when pushed a little harder, he admits to his crimes. It's just kind of funny about him. So they did do a videotape confession as well. In the confession, he admits to going to Sarah's house to try to save their relationship since she was refusing to answer his calls. He said he got there around 2 a.m. And when he got there, he went down to her room through the unlocked door. They talked for around an hour or so. And then he was told to leave. And instead of leaving, he went up to the garage, picked up a crowbar and went back down to her room. Sarah then told him again to leave, rolled over in her bed, and that reaction made him angry. He told her that he loved her and then struck her in the head twice with the crowbar. He then admitted that he figured that everyone else in the house would figure out that it was him who had killed her, so he knew he had to kill everyone else, too. What a dick. He then went to the second floor where he attacked Harold and hit him with the crowbar, and then Jean walked out of the bedroom, and then he hit Jean. Next, he went into Eric's room and found him sleeping in his recliner and hit him with the crowbar. He thought he left the crowbar in Eric's room, but the crowbar was never found. Hmm. Brian said he he then changed out of his bloody clothes and into clean clothes that he had in the house, which made me wonder, is this pre-planned? But, you know, if he was seeing Sarah, he might have just had some clean clothes there, you know, from being in in the past. So that was just something I was like, hmm. But... Then he went around to each room and lit some paper in each room and tried to hide the evidence. On his way out of the house, he grabbed Amber, his daughter, put her in her car seat, and put her into Sarah's car so that she would be safe from the fire. I said, thank God. So at least he had the decency to save his daughter. Yeah. But I mean. My goodness. Yeah. In his confession, he never brought up the knife or the accelerant, which was definitely used. So they, the police... Didn't really so, yeah, like, like you can't believe anything he's saying because exactly. he's leaving out in for, like details. Exactly, they're they're stab wounds, and they can tell that there was definitely accelerant used. Yeah. And he's not; he won't confess or talk about either one of those. And they also were unable to find the crowbar, but the wounds were consistent with those that would have been made with the crowbar. The okay. they found so. 
After the confession, Brian did ask to speak to the detectives again to let them know that Sarah and him did have sex that night. Medical examiners were able to determine that a, a sexual encounter did happen, but they couldn't determine if it happened before or after Sarah's death. Ooh. However, there were no signs of forcible rape found on her autopsy, but hmm. Brian's sperm was found in Sarah. Ooh. So that's a question that they just can't answer. Yeah. Unfortunately. Ooh, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah. Detectives did go to Janet Nelson's home where Brian was currently living to search the property. There they found a burn barrel, which was still warm to the touch, which indicated that it was just recently lit and had been on fire. In the barrel, they found Sarah's driver's license and a camera and a receipt with Sarah's name on it. They also took a knife and a crowbar from the home, but neither of them had any bloody residue on them. Okay. So... Brian Nelson was arrested and charged with 16 counts of first-degree murder, four counts of home invasion, and four counts of aggravated arson. His defense team tried to say he was forced into a confession, which is why he never mentioned the stabbings. But What? Yeah. All motions were denied, and he stood trial in 2006. He was convicted on all counts. They did go after the death penalty for Brian. Good. This happened at the time before the death penalty ended, up being abolished in Illinois in 2011. So they did go after the death penalty. Good. Little side thing before the hearing, Sarah and Brian's mothers, Deborah and Janet, had their own fights going on that were even in the media, which resulted in Deborah obtaining an order against Janet prohibiting any contact. So they had. What on earth would Janet have to say? Like, your yeah, son is a psychopath. Exactly. But the judge determined that both women had a right to attend the hearings and warned them to be on their best behavior and not to nope. speak e- to each other. In her petition, Deborah Tennant alleged alleged that Janet Nelson approached her at the courthouse and said, we are going to get you. It's not over till it's over. What a cunt. Of course, Janet said this didn't happen. Janet had alleged that Deborah had a role in the murders of her ex-husband, his new girlfriend, and her two are children. Are you serious? And, of course, Deborah denied this. No She's wonder like, Brian's a piece of shit. His mom's a piece of shit. Yeah. I know. Deborah's like, why? Why would I have what, any? What a horrible woman yeah. to do this to another woman. Yeah. Who just lost her entire family at the hands of her son. Yeah, there's some newspaper articles about oh. all of this. So so that's just a little interesting side piece of this. Like, that, what an yeah. absolute pile of shit that woman is. Right. So during the death penalty hearing, all of Brian's other crimes and convictions were brought up, and even his former eighth-grade girlfriend, Megan, took the stand. Ooh. She talked about his obsessive and controlling nature. The defense um, brought, in the forens- uh, brought in a forensics um, psychologist who determined that the abandonment from his biological father and death of his stepfather caused Brian to be severely afraid of being alone. One so expert, it, yeah, so that so caused, what? yeah, yeah. And I'm like, afraid of spiders. You don't see me throwing them at people. Because, you don't see you lighting things on fire. Yeah. One oh expert said that due to the car accident, he may have suffered frontal brain damage. But an MRI and CT scans do not show any evidence of this. Still, experts say that that's not uncommon to not show up in scans. In the end, though, Brian was sentenced to death. Good. Well, yes, good, good. In 2009, the Illinois Supreme Court overturned Brian's death sentence on the grounds that the judge erred in removing a juror in trial. Son of a, I swear to God, Illinois. Illinois, come on. 
But so on April 30th, 2010, Brian was set to return to court for resentencing, which would have likely been he would have likely been sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. He would never have that happen, however. Oh, on, yay. On April 29th, 2010, at 2.30 a.m., Brian Nelson was found hanging in a Damn cell it. on death row uh, at Illinois Pontiac Correctional Center. That little fucking shit took his own life. He did. His main fear and main concern was getting moved to the general prison population, yeah. his lawyer said. Good. This, you know, that's what I was waiting for, was to yep. find out that someone Jeffrey Dahmered him. It sounds ludicrous, but in Brian's mind, it was a much more comfortable existence than he would have had in the general population. He liked being alone. He didn't want to be in the general population. You don't population. want to be in the general population because you're going to get your ass kicked. Exactly. Um, said his lawyer, coward. Steve Haney. He was so used to being on his own in his own cell, he didn't want to be moved out to the general population in prison. His lawyer knew he was guilty, but he kept fighting to keep him from death, basically. Then in 2011, Illinois Governor Pat Quinn abolished the death penalty in Illinois. So, Way to go, pal. So, look at your state now. <laughs> so that is... Talk, look at ours. <laughs> that, I know. That's the story of the Tennant family murders. That's awful. Yes. So a little about the home. The home was located at 37359 Gray Road in the unincorporated Custer Township in Illinois. So what, from what I could find, it looks like there is still a farm and residence on, at the home. I looked at Google Maps. I don't believe it's the original home. If you look at the picture, it looks like it had extensive fire damage. So I think that they probably ended up tearing down the home and rebuilding. We do have some um, requests out for some more mm-hmm. information on the home, but I could not find any and a anything. lot of the times too when that kind of stuff happens if they change the address too, yeah it's hard we can't find it yeah so we have so. some info like yeah. some requests out so hopefully we'll get some more information maybe we could just take a drive down to custer yeah county. go down it, there you said it was custer county custer c-u-s-t-e-r township in illinois so okay but uh yeah from what i can find i mean if you look at the picture the house had extensive fire damage yeah. so i mean I, I can't imagine that I mean, they just like patched well, it up. I was gonna say with the murders that happened there too, I wouldn't be four, surprised. Yeah, four murders. Like, well, yeah, that just kind of yeah demolish it and rebuild. But mm-hmm. it, it looks like there is like a farm on the property, and it might just be a farm and not even a home and there anymore too. Yeah, very possible. Yeah. So wow. But yeah, so that is that's that. I I couldn't find any. I I didn't really dig too much to see what happened to Amber. Oh yeah, I mean you've got to let her have her privacy. I mean. So I'm I'm sure that she's who I hope knows. She's okay. I hope That's she's okay. I and I mean, she is a minor. I, I hope I, that I, that I, Janet yeah. bitch stayed away from her. That's what my fear was. I'm like, if a grandma, the grandma tried to get rights to that baby, I wonder. I mean, it's like you already screwed up one kid. Do you really I think know. you should have access to another? But yeah, this was a interesting one. I find I found a lot of information on this one. Um, there was there's a great um, podcast um, and website. Where is it? Um, where is it? Uh, oh, you don't know? I don't know where it is. Um, the Midwest Crime Files. It's a really, really Ooh. great one. Yeah. Ooh, it's all about like different that. Midwest cases. She so likes a good Midwest she, case. They, it's a, um, a team of people. I think it's a man and a woman from what I remember. I don't know if they're a couple. I, I was going to say a couple, but I don't know if they're a couple. But um, they have... It, it, this was when I couldn't find a lot of other information other than newspaper articles, really. So That's they did a really great job researching this one. So they did a really, really, 
yeah, that's great. Really great at this one. So, and I couldn't find much else about this. So, this was a really interesting one. That and is. I, I mean, and to me, like was this that, is a pretty. Is that the picture of Brian that you? Yeah. So you'll have you have this link right? In yeah. Our, and it'll be in our sources. Yep. That sh- I, that's the day that I came and you had that picture yeah that up. picture like, up. Like, what yeah. the fuck is up with that guy? Yeah. He looks like a psychopath. Yeah. Oh, I have chills like. Yeah, and at him. I was showing Robin the photo of the house too, and I mean. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. It looks pretty bad. I don't know how, I mean, I just feel like even, I mean, some houses that don't even see fire get demolished because of what happens inside. I wouldn't be surprised that that's the same. And it's just too bad, too, because it looks like it's like an older home. It looks like like a cute farmhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. What a dick. Yeah. Well, thanks, Molly. Yeah. So, everybody, uh, we, our podcast has been doing really well. We actually went from, we were averaging around 200 to 250 downloads a week. And last week we hit 500 downloads in a week. So we're really, some something's happening. I love it. Appreciate it. So keep up the great work. Talk to your friends about listening to us. Get your realtors on board with joining our referral database. If you have anybody, any lenders that are looking to sponsor anything, let us know. Which reminds me, I'd like to give a shout out to Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. He is our platinum sponsor. Uh, if you haven't reached out to him to buy or refinance, please do so. He is licensed in Minnesota and Wisconsin, and he's the bee's knees. So I'm actually doing a pedal tavern with him next month, and I cannot wait. Yeah. I'll let you all know how that goes. But he's just the best lender, so definitely please reach out to him. Um, also check out our website, homeiswherethemurderis.com. You can email us a case that you'd want to hear. Home is where the murder is at gmail.com. We did, did just receive another yeah, one. Yeah, I think that I think I'm going to work on that one next. Uh, yeah, I'm so. excited about that. We do get them and we kind of have an order of how we're doing yeah. things. But that's a good one. And yeah, I think, I think gotta, that I think that one will be next. So we'll I have give to um, see. that person a shout out once we do that one. But yeah. I was excited about that to see that come through. So definitely send us the cases you want us to do because as long as they happen in a home, we'll cover them. Yeah. But, you know, there's so many, and we have already big list, long lists and everything. But if you want to hear something, let us know. We'll yeah, try. Please. We'll get in in early. So be sure to check us uh, out on Facebook and Instagram, Home is Where the Murder Is. And buy a house from Driftless Properties if you're in the Wisconsin area. Yeah. So it's still such a seller's market, and we would love to get more listings. So yeah. just just punching in all the, all the favors. Yeah. Help us out. Guys, do it if we sell more the more houses help, we sell help the, help us help you the better tent we can get oh man for our podcasting yeah you should see it right now everything fell apart it's, and we're just like living with it we're like all right i'm getting whacked in the head with foam yeah, it's okay but it's fine so it's okay everything's yeah. fine well we hope you guys have the best week and yep. thanks again for listening to us yep thank you bye